Hey guys, super excited for our guest today. So happy to have her from being a lawyer from Harvard Law School to transitioning into acting and now becoming a very successful writer, executive producer from shows like Life Sentence and Mysteries of Laura and now currently on Manifest. Please welcome the one, the only, Laura Putney. So happy to have you today. Woo, let's go. Laura, I'm so happy that you're here and here selfishly is because I haven't seen you in so long and I freaking love you so much. And we started on our journey together when you were an actress, but I want to let everybody know that you started uh, as a lawyer, Harvard Law School, went into being an actress, had a successful career, and then transitioned into being a writer, executive producer, whatever, whatever titles you have. We want to hear your journey so you can help other actors slash writers slash lawyers, whatever it is, the journey of entertainment, because I guess every aspect that you just did is uh, artistic voice. A lawyer is artistic voice as well. Hi, talk to us. Tell us your story. So happy to be here. So happy to connect with you. As you said, we started, you know, my, my journey was sort of, uh, you know, started with you and, um, and you're, you played a big part in my sort of development as an artist. So it's really great to be here. That just touches my heart deeply. Tell us your journey. So you started as a lawyer and then what was the life-changing moment to become the actress? <laughs> and what was the other life-changing moment that became this incredibly successful writer? And yeah. You know, I brag about everybody, so I can't help it. And, and well-deserved. Tell uh, You know, it's interesting because when, when these moments happen in life, they never feel like that life-changing moment in yeah. the moment. Yeah. You're making these little decisions along the way. And then ultimately, all of a sudden, you are in a, okay, it's time now to make this Fisher cut bait decision yeah, yeah. Um, but I started you know I'd always I'd acted through through school and you know from from the time I was little in college I was in a uh, improv and sketch group mm. and we wrote our own stuff we did a lot of improv so I was it was an acting writing hybrid mm. and I think a lot of actors do uh, along their journey and their process and so that was my undergraduate experience and you know being in the theater program and stuff like that at my college um, but wait, I have a question. So you yeah. were in your theater program in college, but you were studying to be a lawyer. But did you take those acting classes for lawyer classes to help you to be better as a lawyer? Or was it? A no, in undergrad, I didn't think I wanted to be a lawyer. I didn't know what a lawyer was. I'd never met a lawyer. Oh. Um, I was studying mostly like English and history. I was just a humanities major who had this passion for acting. Oh. You know, so that was my undergraduate experience and then it was like time to decide you know what are you going to do with your life and your your senior year everybody faces that you know moment of <laughs> profound anxiety and <laughs> self-doubt and worry about your future and um that's when I decided to apply to law school because I was, you know, that seemed like a, I had great grades in college. I could get it. I had great, you know, I was good at test taking. I thought this is something I can do. It's certainly a floor beyond which I cannot fall. <laughs> and that at the time felt very good. And I didn't know how to pursue a career in acting. Oh, interesting. At all. Like I was in Greenville, South Carolina at Furman University 
in their theater program. It was a, it was a small world. You know, I tried to audition for things that were slightly outside of the school just to, you know, but it, it was, it was a, it seemed like I may as well want to live on Mars. Yeah. As to be an actor. A little bubble. And, and they don't teach you in college how to pursue it. It's a very uh, separate university world is very separate than the reality of the reality of the business world. There's so much different that, that if I thought, oh, I want to be a professional actor, going back, I would have done things very differently. For example, the, the sketch and improv group I was in was a very um, good use of my time because mm. I was not only learning the skills, but also learning sort of the business side of it. We had to get our own gigs. We had to promote ourselves. You know, we, had, we, we made fake commercials and then got to go to a, won a contest and we got to watch Saturday Night Live. Like yeah. those kinds of things are the kinds of things that push your, or if you want a career in this, that push your career forward rather than waiting for the play and then, you know, auditioning for it and being in your school play, which is great training. You need that, but you need yeah. this other thing. Yes. I and feel like the yeah. curriculum in schools need to, in colleges need to change just a little bit. And maybe they have, because I haven't been in universities in, since I was in university and maybe it has, but I do see a lot of students coming out of these universities which the plus side is, is that they're really trained. And that is incredibly important. Uh, the business yeah. side is another story, but continue. I want to yeah, hear. Yeah. So I just remember like we, we got these skills of just being like, like a little bit of self-promotion. And so we started to feel that from the improv sketch group I was in, it was me and these three other guys. And then, so one of them was like, you know, there's a movie that's, um, that's uh, they, they've come to, you know, Greenville, South Carolina looking for, you know, a, the, the main character and they're doing a casting call. We went, we stayed all day and it was, it ended up being the movie that made Reese, Reese Witherspoon, Reese Witherspoon. So we went to a cattle call for that, but you know, so did she, you know, <laughs> like you have to do that kind of thing. Cause that worked for her, you know, wow. but that was my very first audition. I had no idea what I was doing, but um, it was, I think it was a uh, man in the moon. Yeah, like I don't know. Um, so anyway, the co that was sort of college. I got to this point of I have no idea how one would become a professional actor in the world. And at the same time, I have this other option that seems very easy. The steps are very clear. Mm. And it would, you know, sort of and then I got into Harvard Law School. That was like, you know, a wow, this is going to be a great experience no matter what happens okay she i just want to you just kind of glaze over it is really hard to get into harvard law school you are smarty pants and so when you decided to go into law were you like okay i have the grades did you expect to get into harvard because that's not something to glaze over that is a uh high triumph yeah I, now i feel like i'm really making the reese witherspoon connection with the legally blonde what like hard <laughs> um so I, you know, I knew I, I knew I was at the, at, at the very top of my, you know, class and that I had, and I had people at the professors at the university behind me saying, you should definitely apply, you know, a lot of support from the school. And, you know, that's the thing about going to a small liberal arts school that most people have never heard of. If yeah. you're a superstar there, you get, you know, they, they get behind you. Yeah. Yeah. So that was all, um, you know, and then it was exciting. I was going to Harvard Law School. I was super excited. So I, you know, but as I, I had never met a lawyer. I didn't know what being a lawyer would be. Um, but nobody, I, nobody in your family was lawyers. No, no lineage. Nothing. No, no, no. Never, literally, never met a lawyer. You know, we <laughs> didn't know doctors, lawyers, certainly not actors. You know, people we knew worked at the Kellogg's factory, and you know, were you know worked at the church. My mom was a church secretary. You know, it was that it was a different world. <laughs> 
Oh, wow. Um, so I, um, so I show up at Harvard Law School and there's, there are signs up for the Harvard Law School Drama Society. Oh. And now I'm like, wow, that is me. That is exactly what I want. And it's, and they're doing a production of The Crucible. Oh. And I always wanted to play Elizabeth Proctor. And so wow. I said, you know what? It's my first semester of law school as a 1L. You know, it's super hard. I probably, I probably shouldn't do this audition for a play, but it's, the crucible i want this role so yeah. i went in and i got the part and now i'm playing elizabeth proctor and it's my first year and i'm swamped with law work i'm reading cases i'm in way over my head with law school but and there's only one other one l uh first year uh, who tried out for the play and got cast in the play and that was um ted cruz oh you're kidding me. Senator Ted Cruz. So oh he is cast as the, uh, as Reverend Paris, who is literally the Bible thumping, you know, um, uh, witch hunter, you know. <laughs> so we go through this whole experience. He and I are the only, you know, two what else. And we're, both of us are like, you know, super, I mean, he's handling it fine. He's much better at school than I was. <laughs> But I was like completely swamped. We were going to do the play for two, uh, two nights. And then after the first night, he, um, we had a cast party and he was like, you know, showing his Texas roots and had this bottle of Everclear that he was pouring in everybody's drinks. The next day he was really hungover or sick or something. And in the middle of the second act, someone says, you know, well, Reverend Paris, what do you think? And we all turn around. We're on stage. We turn around. He's not there. <gasps> he's not on stage and so we're like that's a great story oh my god there's a pause we all look around and then we and then and then we're we're uh reverend you know well if the reverend were here he would say <laughs> and so it jumps in and i have since gone back and watched the footage of this it's very grainy you can barely see anything but we went we went back like two pages in the script we came forward we basically we improvised the rest of the show around this missing key character for the rest of the show um and we we finally like muddled our way through and got oh to the end but and he never showed up he was lying on the floor outside <laughs> of the hallway we were like ted get up ted how could you do this to us well you know Wow, that is an insane story. Yeah, yeah. So he, he never so, performed. So you improv the crucible. And for those who are not listening, this is a very, I mean, improv is a skill, but to take a artistic piece like the crucible and do that, that is crazy. Yeah, especially like at the end when everything has ramped up to be like just, you know, a crucible <laughs> of, of wow. drama. Wow, wow. Um, so anyway, that was my, that was my first year. And then, so all through law school, I was, I would take acting classes at the site. So at, 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 at the time at Harvard, you could take a class anywhere in the university and have it count towards your law degree mm. to a certain extent. So I took an entire one year of curriculum at the American Repertory Theater, which was then affiliated with Harvard. So oh. I got credit. Basically, I got like a graduate, did a graduate program in acting and directing I did and and um and it counted for my law degree. Wow. <laughs> oh, no. I feel like I cheated. Yeah, but still, it's okay. 
Yeah. But it was great training. And, you know, I was studying with just amazing people, doing a ton of scene work, directing, writing, everything um, at the ART. Um, and I did a, I did a, I auditioned for things that were university wide. I was in dancing at Lunasa um, and I had, uh, I was one of the sisters in that. And my other sister was um, Rashida Jones, oh, who was, uh, who was, who was in the undergrad at the time. And she just, you know, tried out for the play <laughs> and, uh, and she was great. Um, you know, and everybody was uh, very supportive of like, this was just a thing you could do. You could take a year of, you know classes at the RT. But I ended law school with a lot of debt. I oh, needed yeah. to be a lawyer in order to pay off that debt. Yeah. Um, still didn't have any idea how you might pursue a career in this. And so I went to New York and worked at a law firm and worked, you know, crazy hours as a young lawyer in New York. Wow. It was a great time of my life, but it was, you know, it was very hard. And then on the side, on the weekends, I would take classes at HP Studios. I would do scene study. And I also auditioned for NYU student films that I would find like in the paper. So you always basically have the calling. You can't, I think once you have that calling, your soul has to have it. No matter what you do, you've got to yeah. channels back to being that performer. Yeah. And you don't have to do it as a career. You don't have to, you know, you can do it as, as a, as a side thing, which I did for a lot of years, you know, and it was, it was very satisfying and fulfilling, yeah. but it, then at some point I was, you know, so, um, my, I was like, oh, this law thing is just, it's killing me. I'm going to. What kind of lawyer were you? What, what was the law? I was labor and employment lawyer. Oh, which means? So I would do like, um, you know, cases that were about uh, sexual harassment or discrimination in the workplace, things like that, which were always about human stories. And there was a performance aspect to it all because yeah. you would, you know, even in a deposition or in a court hearing or whatever, I never was in a jury trial, but you do use those skills. So, Absolutely. Um, you know, it was, it was relevant and, and I, I, I liked it to some extent, but then at a certain point I was like that, that sort of feeling of calling was like too much. And I said, I'm going to take a sabbatical. Mm. And my boyfriend, now my husband was in LA. Uh, he had just become an entertainment lawyer and knew some people. And some of my friends from law school had moved out and were writing and doing other things in TV. And I, um, said, I told my firm, I'm going to take a sabbatical. Ah. So there's no such thing as a sabbatical at my law firm. And so this felt like, I can't tell you how revolutionary and brave I felt when I said that to them, mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to stop what I'm doing and I'm going wow. to do this other thing. Wow. And then I was like, you know, what can they say? They can say, okay, you're fired, you mm -hmm. know, or you just quit. That's, those are all things they could say. Um, but instead they said, okay, unpaid five month leave. You know, and I was like, okay, I'm going to be in, in Los Angeles. Don't bother me. Mm. And I probably met you shortly after that or during that sabbatical. <laughs> really? Is that what it was? Wow. So let me just, what was that? You know, when, when I work with actors and I always say in your scripts, there's a life-changing moment that happens to your character that parlays you. So what was that pull that allowed you that you couldn't sleep at night or whatever that was for you that said, I got to do this? And that takes a lot of self-confidence and belief in yourself to make that, to make that leap. Yes. I totally, love that. I, it, for, for me, it was weird. It was a, basically it was a promotion. So uh, yeah. they, they had me, um, the, the, the sort of head of the law firm sat down and he was like, we, we love you here. You're great at this. The world's your oyster. 
where do you see yourselves in, yourself in five years? Wow. And I was like, I, oh, that's amazing. And I was so caught up in the moment of the, you know, well, here, and, and I'm so happy to be affirmed. And what yeah. I'm doing is, is, is seen and I'm doing a great job. But like, part of me, I just, I couldn't say that. And I was like, I, I had this moment of in five years, wow, where would I want to be? And then it just, somehow that was like a freeing moment. And I just said, I'm going to get back to you. Wow. I'm going to get back to you. And yeah. then I came back to him and I said, I need a sabbatical. Wow. You just knew. You just knew it wasn't fulfilling your happiness factor. Yeah. And somebody else asking that question and saying, you know, here's option A, here's what it looks like. Mm-hmm. It looks great, you know, but it didn't look like me. I think it's really interesting that whoever is listening to take that moment right now and say that to yourself. How do you see yourself and what do you see yourself in five years if you're an actor out there that's you know, on the sidelines or a writer on the sidelines, just dabbling and doing something else that's not making you happy. What is that leap that everyone can take right now? Interesting. And once you can visualize, almost like, you know, a vision board in your mind, once you can visualize what, if you had your druthers of in five years, my life would look like this, then it's not about, okay, I just have to have that. It's about what is the first step that I need to take towards Mm. that, towards building that future because it's not something that just you know you just arrive at it's you need to take step one and then step two and pretty right. soon your life looks like it resembles the thing that you had imagined for yourself and sometimes you have to let go of a job and sometimes you don't have to let go of it sometimes you do have to take the leap like you did but as long as you take little baby steps towards it it just one little door opens and another little door opens but it has to have that that focused energy towards it. You have to create that energy. You cannot stay by the sidelines talking about it. Do you agree? Completely, completely. And it's interesting you say that you don't necessarily have to leave because what happened next is I did for five months, they kind of, you know, left me alone. I did my thing. I got, I, I gave my, you know, we had headshots at the time, like, like actual yeah. physical headshots. Yeah. And I gave my headshot to this, you know, and, and this is just kind of the thing. I gave it to one friend who gave it to his girlfriend who happened to work on ER. She <laughs> drops it at the casting person's office. So I get called in. And that John Levy. that John Levy. It's all six degrees of separation because John and I are close friends and he's, oh my God, this is crazy. Yeah. And then so, so he brings me in. Now I have, I am woefully unprepared for this for this audition it's thank god it's one line <laughs> and, and the line was, was what, what the people don't know is in the pre-covid days and the years when we were actors you have to pick up a, your one line at the at the studio you have to drive there you have to park there you have to eat a lot so much more time to arrive there and then sit in warner brothers big waiting room with other actors and the energy and hoping that you're not going to sponge off that energy and stay focused and calm and relaxed. And I had no idea. I got there and there were all these people. And I was like, surely they can't all be waiting to say this one line. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. I cut you off. What was the one line? It was no, I slipped it right in the subclavian. So it was a medical resident who came in and, you know, said that to Noah Wiley. And of course, in my head, I was like, if I get this part, then I'm a resident and maybe I can blah, blah, blah. (laughs) It was one line. So, um, but I came in and I said the line and um, I, 
don't know how I knew to do this, but I just threw it away. Yeah. I just knew that it wasn't about me and it wasn't about this line that, that the best thing I just, um, I, I know now from, from, from you mostly that, 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 that was not that, that, that what my, what my job was, mm -hmm. but I didn't know then. And I just got lucky in that I just tossed it off and, and didn't make it like big. I made it tiny, you know, uh, like I, I'm in the moment and I, I just, uh, no, I did that. I put it in Supplavian. Like I just tried to make it very right. minor and right. I got it. And you got it. And I got it. That's amazing. Yeah. So that was my first film, TV, whatever um, audition. And then, and shortly after that, I got a, um, a really, really terrible movie. Do not waste <laughs> your time, but it's called Tail Sting. Okay. And it's about, it's like snakes on a plane, but it's scorpions on a plane. Oh my God. And it was before snakes on a plane. Hey, you got to build your resume. You got to learn to be on set and all that stuff is education. You know 10,000 I mean? hours. I mean, I, that was my education right there because I didn't have a single film or TV class. But now let me ask you how on the sabbatical, how many months in when you got your first, when you got ER? Because that's like a, aha, okay, it was meant to be. Okay, the universe is with me. I made the right choice. Yes. I don't know, but it was, it was, it, 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 it happened for me quickly. I think I got a commercial in that time too. Amazing. Someone's like, uh, you know, I can't remember someone's brother gave it to somebody who was like, who knew somebody's assistant. And somehow I got an audition for a commercial and I booked after the commercial, not even, I didn't even book it after the commercial. I asked the casting director if they would call a particular agent and just say, I had, you know, that I that give, give some good feedback. And I just said, I'm brand new. I've been here, you know, two weeks. Can you just make this call? Cause that would really, so getting a, an agent, getting a call from a casting director was, the thing. And here's what I love. Here's what I love about that is that you just asked. You didn't analyze it. You were just new. You were eager. You're just like, look, I really want to get ahead. Can you make a call? Which I do believe. And I always tell everyone to be courteously aggressive and ask for what you want. People are, it's a community. And then what you just said, and I just want to address that you had a friend, you sent it to a friend. It's all about connections. It's all about, you don't know who you're meeting along the way. So be open, like, you know, me and you, I haven't worked with you in years, but there is a really a heartfelt love. Whoever comes through my doors, whoever we, you know, we have this communication and experience with, it's deep and it runs forever. And, and that's what I think all artists out there or writers, producers, yeah. when you're first starting, you need to have that connection. Cultivate it. Cultivate it, you know, be open to it, be looking for connection, be ready for it when it offers itself. But, but when you say, you know, you just you didn't analyze it, you didn't, oh, I analyzed it. I was <laughs> dying. I was sweating, like the, the audition itself, I was just thinking at the end of this, because I, I, I said, now I had a name of an agent that was a commercial agent that wasn't like fancy. That was like right. a commercial agent who I thought <laughs> might take somebody new. And I just, I needed this phone call to happen. So I was just dying. But well, you did it. it was, you did it. Hard. Yes, but triumphant. You risk. You have to risk. You have to, you know what I mean? And sometimes it's not going to work out and they could have said no. But if you don't ask, it's always a no. If you ask, it's a possible yes. yes. So how did you come through my doors? Was it a recommendation? I don't know. It remember. was. It was a recommendation. And was I it Robin Lee? No, no. Robin came up, came to you after much after me. Oh. Um, you met me before Robin. 
I wonder who it was. I don't. I know. I'm not going to remember either. But it, but but here, but but here's the. If I had found you earlier, because so so it must. And I said it must have been during my sabbatical. It must have been after because I know that it was after. Um, mm. I got so I auditioned for. Uh, so so through these different things, through getting a part on ER, through and then I got another. Um, I think I got an agent shortly after that because I was like, look, I booked my first audition and it was ER, you know? So then, so I, I got, I got like a, you know, an agent and then that agent moved to a bigger place and I started, they, they started, they, they started sending me out. I booked this, that, that, this movie in Brazil. I went to Brazil for a month and shot that. So I, this is all backstage. I did a play. Oh my God. <laughs> did, you know, here's a, here's an example of cultivating connection. I did a play that I got from the back stage for the from the you know the ads in the backstage magazine and it was a um terrible play no one came to see this my husband was in the audience every day and sometimes it was only him sometimes it'd be like two or three other people and we killed ourselves for this play plays are take a lot of work i mean everybody who you know is an actor has done a play and they are extremely time consuming and you know absorbing so the 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 guy who played in this terrible play, uh, who played my um, boyfriend, um, his name is Brent, and we um, and we became great friends through this like artistic partners. Then we tried to help each other with our careers, dropping off headshots for him here. You know, he kind of became helped me with personal training, and like we just kind of like we became each other's. Like you know, I, I'm gonna run to Kinko's. What do you need? Like we became each other's acting help, and he was um, at the time uh, catering you know, for his, yeah. So, um, but he was incredibly warm and helpful and, and like a, a shining light, you know, to me and to everybody around him. Anyway, he started his catering thing kind of got bigger and bigger and bigger. And he started writing a little bit on the side, writing, maybe a little less acting. Uh, but, but this catering thing started to be producing events. Mm premiere event you know like somebody's premiere so planning the party mm. that got bigger and bigger now he is literally planning the super bowl halftime party oh what bigger and bigger and now he is and has been it, it's brent miller he is norman lear's producer producing partner so what? he produces he's the executive producer of one day at a time and all of the live you know, things, the, the good times and all of the things that Norman Lear is doing, he wow. does with his partner, Brent Miller. Amazing. There are many paths. Yes, there are. But see, <laughs> everything, even when people do, actors do the side hustle and do the catering, it is a performance. It is artistic. You have to create the life of the characters while you're doing all that stuff. That is amazing. So you made that connection years ago, and I'm sure you're still really close friends. And it's so, you know, you say a terrible play, but maybe the writing was bad, but the experience, the connection that actors have when you do theater is a game changer. And I have a lot of actors that are Broadway stars right now, but they immerse themselves and people that not aren't, you know, just are doing Broadway shows. And even theater here now that it's opening back up again, there is the deepest, the most uh, special times to be had by doing theater. And I highly recommend that all actors do theater. It Unless is. your scene partner is Ted Cruz. And then it's... Yeah, like, let's... Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, we, are, we are not as close as we were during the show. Well, I'm not going to say I'm sad about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, just to... So 
sort of to go back to kind of my, so I started booking some things and, you know, really just try to take one thing and try to make it the next thing. And then um, I, I, I auditioned for a, um, a Don Belisario um, show called First Monday. Oh, oh I, I vaguely remember that. Yes, yes. Yes. So I booked that and it was my first big role on TV. Wow. It was a guest star. It was a very big guest star, Juicy. I was the daughter of one of the Supreme Court justices. It was a show about the Supreme Court. And I was the, um, the law school roommate mm-hmm. of a series regular. So, so there were two, so I was connected to two series regulars, which is a really good place mm-hmm. to find yourself as a guest star because you could probably. And then at the end of the season, it was, this was the 13th episode and it was a mid-season show. I, um, I got hit by a car. And what? that was the episode out. So that was like the season cliffhanger. Was I going to live or die? So I was like, you know, desperately hoping that this show would get picked up. It did not. So, but then the writers from that, and at the time I didn't even know from writers. I didn't know, like, I should talk to people on set. There's so many things I didn't know that we can get into because I feel like. I I want you to talk about that because the writers have all the power in television. Yes, we'll talk about that in a second. Go ahead. And so the, um, the writers wrote me in to um, JAG, which was a going, already a going show. So then, so once they, they saw me in this show first Monday, they wrote me into JAG as the lawyer for the CIA. And then I had a, um, uh, you know, an, a, a romance with um, the guy who played Harm, which was the main character of the show. Right. And then we had a fake wedding and uh, I still, my, my mom can't, you know, we, we had a fake wedding to please my mom who was on her, on her deathbed and it was <laughs> Kate Allen and we still keep in touch. I love her. Yeah, hilarious. But, but for people yeah. who don't know, wait, for people who don't know, Jack was a very successful show. Yeah. Oh yeah. Long lasting, long lasting. Long lasting. Yes. Go ahead. And um, so when I started, when I did like my first scene, um, one, one of my first scenes on, on first Monday, the very seasoned actress who played my mother on the show, the Supreme Court ju- Justice, she said, during a break, she said to me, you're popping your eyes. <gasps> and, and, you know, normally like, you know, I mean, actors should not tell, but she was so seasoned and I was so green. Yes. It was so useful I had no idea do you know what I had never seen myself on camera like I had never done on camera class I didn't know what I looked like I didn't know I was doing this to express everything my eyes were gigantic what yeah yeah thank god because then I had a couple takes where I was like focused on not making my eyes (laughs) but it was really helpful and then I I had a scene where I I did when I showed up I, I mean I just didn't know things that were so simple like I had a scene where I was eating and I, and I, they went after we did, we did the master and I was like, okay, great. Oh, we're going again. Oh, we're going to do it again. Great. I get another chance. So this time I'm not going to eat. The last time I ate too much. And I was like, so this time I'm going to cross my arms. So then, and now they do the thing and I'm crossing my arms and, I'm just like, and the person scripty comes up to me. I didn't know who she was, but you know, here comes a person with a clipboard and she's like, you didn't pick up your fork. And I was like, I know, right. I crossed my arms. It's not theater. You have to match the shot. <laughs> like you have to match. I'm like, match what? Who am I matching? Did someone else do this part of me? She's like, you're matching you. <laughs> the whole thing was mind boggling. And wow. wow, how much acting training did I have so in my much. life? 
hours, so much. And never did anyone tell me that it was actually, I was going to have to match my movements because I was trained to be in the moment to, you know, to try to listen and respond. And, and now all I could think about is I, I'm like going on, I had to ask her, when did I pick up my fork on what line? I barely know these lines. I just showed up and got this script. I've had wow. 30 seconds. I memorized them during the makeup chair because I didn't know wow. I was supposed to have, when to learn my lines. I thought we were going to rehearse. Wow. Yes, people don't know that. And when you do eat, you don't want to even eat too much because if they do it 50 times, you're going to be puking on the side and you don't really want to get food in your mouth and you have to match exactly on what line after that line with the same reaction to, to make the sequence of cuts, you know, work. But anyway, whatever. So you, you went into all this acting and yep. then what happened? People don't know, but you are doing so well as a writer, executive producer, you've moved up the ranks, which I want to transition now and talk about that. Okay. A lot, so- people, a lot of people don't know about the acting and being on set, but a lot don't even know about, the, the leverage you take as a writer and where you start and, and how you get an agent and how that agent, you know, pushes that writing and how you sell, I don't know if you sold something in the room. Let's talk. Oh, let's okay. So, um, so my five month sabbatical uh, expired and I was, so I called my law firm and I said, you know, look, this, this, this acting career is taking off. I really like it in LA. I'm going to stay here. And um, so, you know, I quit. Uh, wow. and it was very empowering and, and, uh, you know, great conversation. And then um, in the morning, I had an email from the firm. And it said that it was annou- it was to all lawyers. And it was announcing that I was going to be working in the um, Los Angeles office from my home um, on an as needed basis, contract only whenever I wanted. And if, if I didn't want nobody could say anything, but if I but but they would engage me by the hour. If oh, that's amazing. So it was the best case scenario. So I did that for um, 13 years. Wow. So for 13 years, I would, you know, one day I'd have, I'd work for eight hours. Then for three weeks, I don't work. I'm just, you know, I can audition. I can, you know, blah, blah, I can do whatever, right? Um, so, so that provided me with flexibility, income, yeah. You know, um, engagement, mental engagement. Yes. So that was a really, really great side gig. Wow. It just seems like you confidently took your power. You, you had another need. You risked in asking. You got what you needed. But because you were so good at the job before acting that they didn't want to let you go. So they, 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 they wanted you. So it's so nice that you got to have a little bit of and all actors do need a little bit of financial freedom while you're doing this, you know, yeah. auditioning crazy thing. Because you don't want to be needy. You don't want to have to get the job to pay your 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 bills. Right, exactly. Because I can feel it yeah. in the room. Feel it. Absolutely. So that that sort of desperation, you need to you need to throw it away like I did on that ER line. You know? <laughs> um, but I think uh, you have to create a demand for for you. You know, so, so by, by really killing myself for, you know, five years in New York at this law firm and then, you know, just continuing to care. And then as I went forward, like, you know, when I was working, I was in it and I was trying hard, you know, you have to create a demand so that they, so that that is a, a good deal for them too, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Let's transition. So 
What was the first writing gig? How did you get that? Did you write a pilot? Did, were you writing throughout this time? And so, so far, I have, the only thing I've written is sketch comedy in college. That is it, right? So I'd acted, I'd done a lot of training in acting, done some directing, never written. So I, um, the, when, when you said about the, you know, what it used to be like in the old days about getting ready for the audition and driving there and all of that, once I had my first baby, and then another one, you know, yeah. <laughs> I got pregnant when she was, when the baby was 12 months old, I got pregnant again. Oh. And, um, and they called me from um, NCIS and they were like, Hey, you know, um, we have, we, we, we have, we're replacing somebody from the pilot, and, you know, they know and love you from first Monday and Jag and, and they're, they're, you know, they want you to, they want to talk to you. You're not pregnant. Are you? Oh God. And I was like, Oh, I know this is an employment law problem, but, <laughs> but I am pregnant. I'm not going to lie. So, you know, I didn't, and so I didn't even get called in, but anyway, so the, um, the, the, at that time doing all that work to get to, to audition just became overwhelming and I couldn't fit it into my life. Yeah. So I stopped. So I was not acting, just dealing with babies, like for, then I had my yeah. third baby and everything was, was a lot so um, that that's a separate podcast. It was very hard. <laughs> anyway, um, yes. One so job think, is easy. Two or more is a whole nother world. It's yes, a whole nother experience. Hard. Yes. So then I um, wanted to still do acting. I still felt like that. I needed that in my life. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this is after about probably five years of not doing anything. I was like, I really want to. So I went back to do sketch comedy and I started at Acme Comedy Theater. Uh, and I, 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 you know, went through their classes and their part of that was learning to write. So it was a spinoff of the groundlings yes. and, you know, and really I, I had a ground, I went to the audition for groundlings and I had one of the groundlings ask me many years after, like, I remember you from the auditions. Cause I'd done a ton of improv. I was good at improv. I'll just, yeah. you know, and they said, why didn't you come back? We invited you. We told you, you could skip a class and we invited you into this level. And why didn't you yeah. come back? And the truth was that I got a flat tire on my way to that um to that first class and it derailed me in wow. a way like I I felt nervous about the class I got the flat tire then I was like late and I figured I couldn't go you know yeah. and so I and at the time and then at the same time this other place that I had, had auditioned the spinoff of Groundlings this Acme they called me and were and 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 you know and I felt a connection and I was just like okay great and I just signed up mm. so yeah, it was one of those moments in life yeah. where, you know, if uh, looking back, that flat tire should not have derailed me. And who knows what could have happened on this other path, you know? Who knows? Who knows? But both places, I mean, Acme was huge for a very long time. It's not, a, it's not happening anymore, unfortunately, but it was top notch. So you didn't make yeah, it, it was great. You your journey. You got the writing it, it worked, the, the end worked out, but I'm just like, in terms of like, you don't sometimes know those moments when they hit you. I certainly would never have thought that this flat tire would have any impact in my life. And maybe it wouldn't have, I don't know, but it is also, you know, I would just don't let a flat tire, you know, I'd say to my younger self, go, who, if it's uncomfortable to show up late, who cares? Sorry. Exactly. Show don't up. Let a flat tire sway your decisions. Yeah, or your fear of what other people are going to think when you walk in late or miss the first class or whatever I was nervous about, who cares what they think? Yeah, but that's still what nerves is when you care what other people think. If you really don't care what other people think and you're giving in the give of artistically whatever you want, there's no nerves because it doesn't matter what people think. You're coming yes. from a good place.
Yeah. So, and I think probably it was also me coming back into it and being out of it for a while. So, you know, I was nervous about that too, but, yeah. but anyway, I started at Acme. It was a great place for me. I yeah. really like, I'd start, I learned how to write sketch comedy. I learned, so I was writing for the first time and then performing every weekend. So I got that. It was very fulfilling and I could step back, you know, that was just for one week. Then I could be out of it. And then I could come back in a month and just do a week. Yeah. And there I met Margaret Easley, who was an actor, um, yeah. who was on like, you know, 250 commercials and she's played on a guest star and every single thing. So she, she's a great um, actor and uh, comedian. And so we started writing things together. She also had little babies. We were doing a play date and we said, look, everyone we know is like transitioning to writing right now. Mm. And, and we are, you know, we're like, now we have kids. We're like in our late thirties and we're like, okay, what's our, how are we going to survive this transition in notoriously difficult Hollywood? That's not good for women. Yeah. And so, um, and so we said, let's try to write something that's more, um, that's more than just a sketch. Let's just, we'll, we'll meet once a week and we'll meet for a couple hours. And during those hours, our kids will play over here and we will compartmentalize and we will write something. Fascinating. Okay. So then we said, what's it going to be? And we, and Margaret had this great idea. And so we were working on this. It was a genre one hour uh, comedy, which there's not a lot of, but just think of like a men in black uh, type tone, you know? So we were, so we, we had this idea and we went to, um, we didn't know if it was a TV show because we didn't, or, or a movie, or if it was a terrible idea. So, um, I knew, I knew a little bit. I knew a woman named KJ Steinberg, who currently is, is an executive producer on This Is Us. Big TV writer. She created the show The Nine. And um, we, I knew her a little bit, like enough to say, would you have coffee with us? Yes. And just like literally it can be half an hour. And could we talk to you about an idea and you steer us into, is it, you know, TV show or what? And she said, yes. Uh, you know, because people say yes. People say don't yes. say yes. People are interested in helping other people. They yeah. really are. And you're only asking for, you know, a half hour. I'm not asking her to read anything. That's, I think yeah. that's a bigger ask. Yeah. If you give somebody a script, that's a lot. But, yeah. but asking for a, you know, uh, well, we will buy you a coffee and we will take 30 minutes and tell you our thing. So we sat yeah. down, we told her for 30 minutes. And she said, this is a great idea. Let's bring it in under my deal at ABC Studios. So then we sat down with KJ Steinberg. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Like, does that ever happen? Rarely, but it was meant to be, obviously. Go ahead. Yes. So for, you know, probably between three and five months, we sat down with her regularly. We worked hard. We did a retreat. We went somewhere. We immersed ourselves in how do you break the pilot? What is an act break? What, what is the character? How do you look at the character? So she, she basically gave you a master class while master helping class. you at the same time. That is brilliance. Master class in how to write television. Wow. She's also a former actress, oh. um, you know, who, who uh, made the transition to writing. So, but it was, the, the thing that was mind boggling to me about it was I felt very little control as a actor. Right. You know, you're, you're told to pick up your fork here and put it in your mouth here. Like on TV, when you have small roles, you have very little control. I think actors always have very little control compared to the people on the other end, on the other side. Completely. Like 
like maybe you're Tom Cruise, you're, you know, Scarlett Johansson, maybe, yes. maybe you have some control. Yes. But literally not until that level. Like, yes. You know, so it's interesting you say that because it's true. I work with a lot of, uh, you know, famous um, singers and they always say that when they're in the studio, they have so much control and they can, you know, cut it up the way they want and do it again the way they want. But as art actors, there's zero control and it makes them feel kind of, you know, helpless and, and out of control. It's yes. out of control feeling. Yep. Yep. And so you've got to find a way to have peace with that, to work within that, to yeah. not need that, um, you know, or you're writing your own thing. Yeah. You know, and maybe you're writing your own thing on the side. Maybe it's like, you know, let me ask you, when this happened, when she, when you, after you've had your first meeting, were you, were you and Margaret, were you screaming? Like, I can't believe this is happening. What is happening right now? We're so lucky. We're so grateful. Yes. Great. Like, like it was like, we won an audition. We couldn't, we we never imagined that she would say that, you know, that she would be helping us on this project, you know, but she had a, she, the reality, and now I see what this is, you know, she had a deal to feed. So she's got to come with, you know, whatever it was, like, let's say she had a, you know, a a three script deal or two script deal. So she's got to get sign off from her studio for two different ideas. Mm. And now she's got two people who are going to pour themselves into breaking this story, you know, so she can supervise. And so like, now I understand why someone might say yes. So for anybody listening, there's a, you know, there people are looking for ideas and stuff like that on the other side so and don't be precious about your ideas we were hilariously like putting our ideas out there and then like you know they what do they call it a poor man's copyright or something where you send it to the guild and they send it back or something like that mm-hmm. it you know if, if somebody steals your idea i mean i who cares get <laughs> another idea this is your career if you want a career you've got a lot of lines in the water you've got a lot of ideas out there you know one time at one point margaret and i were developing seven different projects and every one of them it was like oh my gosh this show is exactly that shoot and over here this show is exactly that they didn't steal our ideas those ideas there are you know ideas they're they're you know they should be a dime a dozen you should not hold on to one and just be like this is the precious thing if you feel so precious about it then you better not be asking anybody and just writing the thing mm-hmm. make it a perfect perfect submission and then hold it together as one piece if you care that much that this is your one idea you know if it's like if it's your life story you know mm-hmm. that kind of thing okay yeah. Write it, finish it, it's done, and then and don't take any input on it. But, but let me ask you, fine. let me just let me inter, in, interject right here. So if you chose to collaborate, great. So she kind of led you probably to an agent and to a team. But if you do it by yourself, what happens? Like what's the process for new writers out there? Um, well, so we did not get an agent for that, uh, for, for any of this. We pitched it to the studio. They didn't want it. And then we were at square one, except we weren't at square one because we had had a master class. From, from a master about how to write this. So we had learned so much. But if you, to the outer world, we're at square zero again, you know, yeah, yeah, we have yeah. nothing, nor do we have an, a script that we could, that can be a sample or anything to show an agent. Oh, we still have nothing. So after that didn't go, that was a huge setback because we poured everything into that and had nothing to show for it. There's, no, there's nothing you could do with the page. You're doing this for no money. Are you doing this on your free time? No one's paying Zero you. Right? Nobody pays you. Nobody pays you for the longest. So then we, you know, there's a lot of, of ramp up time, you know, in a writing career. And, and all the while, Margaret is, 
you know, book, you know, on every commercial, doing a ton of voiceover, you know, mm-hmm. on, on shows, you know, during this time, I think she was on, um, you know, she had a, she had a part on a recurring part on big love. She had a part on, um, what's it called? Um, modern family, you know, just oh. kind of, she was working a ton as an actor, yeah. um, auditioning every day, but between auditions and whatever. And we had our kids and we were running around and I, oh. would, I was doing law. Oh my God. I'm still doing Acme. You know, I was still doing, yeah. doing that to keep my hand in it. So, so this was, no, nobody pays you. You've got to figure out another way and just keep turning back to it every moment you can to get a little more written, a little more written. So, cause we were writing then we had to write a spec. That's what everybody told us to do. Right. A yeah, spec yeah. For one hour. Don't no. There's no more at the time. It was very confusing about whether we should write someone, you know, an existing show. Or, or your own original. Right, I think that's right. no longer a question. You just write your own original. There's no. I think that's what it is now. Yes, yes. But yeah. I know I've never. I, I mean, I've never seen a, um, you know, a, a somebody else's show that is that. You know, I, I wrote a, an episode of that. Yeah. So just write your own your own original idea. Yes. And then, um, and so we so we were working on this original thing. We got into into a you know over the course of probably another year passes you know, before we have another thing that we're ready. Okay. Now we want to go out to the world. We sent it to agents. Nobody's interested. Um, you know, we randomly send it to anybody. You just want to get a list or did you know people? We knew people and, um, we probably only sent it to people we knew. And so that was a big step up because we knew a lot of people and it, you know, by now we had, she had her agents. I had my agents, you know, from before, Um, my husband's an entertainment lawyer, so he works with all kinds of agents all the time. And we just knew, you know, there were agents, parents at the preschool and just yep. being in the world. Yeah. You know, community, community, community. Yes. Cult- always cultivating those kind of relationships. Somebody you can say, hey, would you give it a read if you're a lit agent, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's not a big ask because that's their job. Yeah. You know? Yes. So, um, and then you kept getting more rejection, but yet you still held strong. It was no across the board. Nobody was interested. You know, you know, and then we, and, and at the same time, we, we would give it to our friends who were writers and take notes, you know, and then th- those are the big asks, you know? Mm-hmm. So we, um, my, you know, carpool buddy, good friend of mine, we gave it to him and he was a um, writer, showrunner, And he was like, he sat down with us. He was like, gave us great notes. He was like, this is really good. And he recommended us to his friend who had a show, you know? And so, and so he started, and then all of a sudden he got his own show. Mm -hmm. And so we were the first call and he said, do you want to be staff writers on my show? No, that's amazing. So we asked him for notes and his notes were, can you work for us? Can you work for me? (laughs) Wow. What can we say who it is? So that's Jeff Rake, who I still work for. (laughs) um and on on his new show now on manifest but that show was mysteries of laura yes like 2018 and he said you know this is gonna really um screw up your life you know like you're used to having a lot of like being at the pta all the time and like being like you know and this is going to be a full-time thing you know in the room all the time and but we had no idea what that would even look like we'd never been in the television writer's room never seen it didn't know anything Except, you know, we, I mean, we had these one-on-one sessions with KJ, but that's a totally different thing than being in a writer's room with totally. an ongoing TV show, you know? Yes, 100%. So he said, you know, you're going to have to, you know, so that is the day that I quit my law job. Wow. So all yeah. this time, I was still working. And 
that is, and raising three kids. Yeah, right. Oh my God. But you know what? Busy is good. As they say, busy is good. Sometimes it's, it's uh, more beneficial. But let me ask you this for the people that are listening. So you got a job and the first tier that you go into when you get staffed is the staff, is the staff. And then what are the writer? Staff writer, and then it moves up to, can we talk about that for a second? Yeah. So we go in the room. So now it's when you're a team, um, you get paid as one writer. So we were making oh. half. So we did not get WGA scale. We did oh. not get benefits. <gasps> it's a, there is a loophole in the WGA system that if you're a team, you don't have to meet, get any of the minimums, but you still have to be in the room. You still have to like give everything that another that a, that a writer's giving, but you only count as half of a person. So we started, um, and you don't get paid for scripts as a staff writer. You know, you're just getting paid a weekly um, that we split. So it was, wow. you know, so for example, you know, we both took massive pay cuts to take a full time job. So yeah. we went from, you know, Margaret was like, you know, a very, very successful, mostly commercial actress, you know, had her, she had her own channel on direct TV and whatever. And that's when, that's when commercials were union and you were making a fortune. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, you know, um, I think we, it was like five years in before she was making more working full time than yeah. she was, you know, as an actor. So it was a, you know, usually it's, a, it's very, very well paid job, except when you're a team, it everything is different. But I will say, even then, even so, I recommend that people do have a team. Yes, team is good. Team is good. You can banter back and forth and you can get another eyeball on it. So so your better is an automatic editing mechanism. You're better. Your your work is better. And and, and in addition, the motivation is there. Mm -hmm. So I would not have ever written a word if it wasn't, oh, Margaret's coming over, so we're going to sit down and write. Holding yourself, uh, each other accountable, 100%. Accountability. Yeah. I would have been off, you know, cleaning the kitchen and I don't know, <laughs> you know, doing law. Like I would have yeah. just done, there's other stuff to fill your time. I needed that accountability. Yeah. So for okay. me, writing partner was the key to my entry into from actor to writer. I needed a writing partner. My husband was a writer producer on The Nanny and he always had a writing partner. He can't do it without. He's like, I need a partner. That's how I... Function, I get it, 100%. I think, okay, so staff writer. We did that for two years on the streets of Laura. The second year, we were able to get a title bump in the middle of the year by making it, you know, money neutral to the show. There was something very, you know, smart that my, uh, uh, oh, oh, I forgot to say, the day that we got our job, you know, that we were offered a staff writer job, that is the day that every agency in town suddenly became interested in the same script that they had all rejected. Of course. So of course they did. That's what happened. So the day, you know, and the showrunner was like, hey, why don't you call, you know, and he, like it was the junior at the time, you know, now is a big agent, but at the time was the junior. He said, call this guy. This is who you should sign with. You know, or not, not even, not, not, not like under any pressure, but that guy will take you. So we called, we signed up, but then at the same time, now we got a call from CAA and, mm-hmm. and it's like, and then the, the, the head of uh, the department calls my husband and is like, why didn't we get a shot at Margaret and Laura? Why are they, I hear they're going to WME. What's the story? <gasps> and my husband's like, um, I sent, you know, yes. three junior agents, this same script 
you know, like six months ago. And the reason that you didn't get a shot is you got a shot and you passed. <laughs> Correct. Hold, Laura, I'm going to put this on pause for one second. I've got to charge. I got to go get my battery from my computer. I don't want to lose it. So hold on. Hold that thought. Hold that thought. Putting you on pause. Yes. Okay. So yeah. So then everybody wanted you. So and suddenly all the agencies want you because you have a job. Of course. So um, that was our experience. After same with everything. Yes, exactly. They don't want you if you're if you're not working, but then they all want you when you begin working. Exactly. When you when you don't need them as much anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so so, but that is how we you know we we initially met our agents and signed with them. We're still with them. So you know now we go into a room. We're in a writer's room. We're actors in a writer's room. So we're just watching how this is all going on. You know, <laughs> amazed. We then we write a script, and now we and, and we ended up like. You know, we're, we're on production calls and we're seeing how it all fits together. And it's so many light bulbs are going on. Uh -huh. Oh, uh -huh. this is how that works. This has to be done. What? Wait, uh -huh. what do you mean there are setups? I don't even know what you're talking. We have too many setups. What are you talking about? Yeah. Um, so we were we were really learning on the job. Um, but as everybody does, you know, I mean, this stuff is you have to learn on the job. And then we but we're learning not only how to write, but also how to produce because that's part of the job of, writer, of, of a TV writer is you're also learning how to transition from what you put on the page to what goes on the screen. That's all handled by the writer. Mm. The, the writer is the, the charge of that process and mm. making sure that the, you know, the wardrobe is correct for what this person needs and what the, you know, and, and like what the, the props are, that the props are consistent with the script, but tell the story because everything falls under story. The idea that you're telling a story, whether it's wardrobe or set design or, you know, sound. So you're basically saying that the writer who's writing that has to create and really kind of do the, the, the little like in scene study classes, the pieces, the behavior, the, the necessary uh, everything that a director you would think would do. But it's really the writer producers that really do that. Yeah. Yeah. And then then when you're on set, then we go on set and we produce the episode on set. And so now we're sitting with the director mm. and the director goes and deals with, you know, sets up the shot, talks to the, talks to the actor. And then, and then you're just kind of watching and being like, you know, um, I think, you know, uh, she needs to put up a harder um, uh, obstacle. This, she, she, she's caving in too early, you know, mm. in this scene. So then the director translates that into whatever direction they're going to give to the actor in order to accomplish what you need for the story. Yes. So it becomes a, Kind of a partnership. Yeah. But reality is the writers have the power. They have the final say in television. Maybe not so much in film, because I think the director really handles everything. For sure but not in film. In fact, in film, you, you're, you're probably not on set most yeah. of the time. In film, you, you write it, and then they take it, and then they rewrite it without you. Yep. And then your words get, you're, you've sold it. It's very yep. I think it comes from, you know, the big boss on a film set is a director. That's the oh. big boss. Mm -hmm. The big boss on TV is the showrunner. The showrunner is the writer. The showrunner started as a writer and became a writer and is currently a writer and is and and they have advanced up the ranks and now they're running a show. So that's a those they have very different skill sets and you know who they rely on. Well, the showrunner relies on their writers. Usually. Yeah. That's it's so incredible. So it goes staff writer to what? To what? Story editor. Okay, story editor and then you rise to then you are a co-producer. And then you go to- Oh, sorry. Then, no, sorry. Then you're an executive story editor, but we skipped that. 
Okay. Sometimes occasionally you can skip just by, um, you have a couple of offers in between shows to write on two different shows or something like that. And so you okay. can skip or, you know, you have some leverage somehow. So we skipped executive story editor. We became co-producers. Then from co-producer, you become a producer mm-hmm. then a supervising producer. And then finally, the final step in TV is co-executive producer. That's the final step of a writer's room. Beyond mm-hmm. that, you're the show creator or the executive producer where you are, you know, uh, the head person, the head person and running the show or, yeah. And so we are currently, we, we climbed the ranks at, you know, at Mysteries of Laura for a couple of years. We were on a show called Life Sentence. Right. We were developing some stuff, selling some scripts and whatnot. And we got, we got, um, from, from that, they gave us a, uh, a gig on Lethal Weapon where we could just come in and do a freelance and be in that room for a while. Mm. And we were on... Um, was Mike Klein on that show? Uh, Katrina Law, Lethal Weapon? Um, was she the mom? Yeah. I don't know. Who was she? Who did she play? I feel like she was on that show. She may have been. She may have been. We were, we did a freelance and we were, you know, kind of, we were only in the room for a few months. Yeah. I can't remember, but, um, and then we would, then we were on, I think I may have said life sentence, which is a CW show with Lucy yeah. Hale. And, and we went to manifest what happened Then manifest. And now we're four years on manifest and manifest. We climbed the ranks from, you know, it was like producer, supervising producer, co-EP. And now we are running the room on wow. manifest. Uh, it's just my heart. Big smiles because it's like, I love everybody's journey. And it, you know what? It takes guts to do that journey. And you worked for many years as a writer, not making any money, and but believing in yourself and still creating those stories and little pieces along the way, unbeknownst yeah. to you, helped you to rise up and to get where you are. And the thing is, when people listen to this, People always think, oh my God, executive producer, that we're the, they're not human anymore, but you're a human. You're a human person. <laughs> but it's a, there's a disconnect because people don't know. And I think the greatest part of you being this, you know, creative, uh, really successful writer is because you came from acting. And I think that you can see it better and you can feel it more and you can... I mean, it's not like you're not an actor because I think as a writer, I would think you're living the life of these characters as you write them. You have to write. You have to have thoughts before you write them. It's literally the best training for writing that I can think of. Yes. Because I'm sitting there with this scene going, uh, I'll, you know, I'll be like, oh, this accomplishes everything that we need it to for the, for the story. I see that these words progress the scene. Yeah. I don't have anything in this scene for the, for the actor to play. Yeah. What are they playing? Well, I mean, I'm just going to get these words and just say them like, no, I want to create some, um, you know, something is bubbling under the surface. And I'm going to put that in the, you know, in the parentheticals and the stage directions. And I'm going to, same words, okay, they still accomplish what I needed to. But I'm going to put a, you know, she's feeling out her um, power over this guy. Mm-hmm. You know, she's, um, uh, he's, you know, he's, he's tantalized, but he can't admit it to himself. You know, those are the kinds of things I want to put in because I was an actor. Yes, because you know it's all emotional drive. And when an actor can hook into the emotions, they can feed and tell that story so much clearer. I have a question. So when you're choosing, because I would think you have decision-making process and who you're hiring for different roles, uh, in-person has changed now to on Zoom. And have you experienced the watching people's tapes? And what is the that thing in the tapes that hooks you? Is it always about the work, which I would assume it is, but tell me. 
Yeah. It's <laughs> to a surprise, you know, I mean, you know, I, I, I think I thought that they were hiring people based on the look much more than it is actually true. I think I sort of thought, oh, I didn't have the, the look or the whatever, but it, but it is usually about, oh, that person nailed the turn. They just, they, 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 they saw, they understood where the turn was in the scene and they nailed it. Like that's a, you know, or, um, or. They have to you know, grab you. They have to yeah. grab you. Yeah. Right away with their internal choices. There's, there was some um, guy who was doing a scene. It was a, it was a scene with a basketball. And, you know, usually they say, don't bring the basketball into the scene. But there was this guy, he was just like, he just had this basketball and he was, and he was talking and, and it, it was, it was like, I just got that this guy has never not had a basketball in his hand. Interesting. And I was just like, wow, that's such a, that, uh, the, the, and he was so the person he was just, he was the, the, it was so lived in the character was so that, that now I just wanted to write for that actor. Yeah. You saw life, you saw it and you felt yeah. it. Oh, it's like, oh, that's the character. Like, I don't even know I knew. And I'm like watching that this character, I'd already written one episode, but he's going to go forward. And I'm watching this guy. Um, you know, he's, a, he's an amazing actor. He played um, the, uh, he played Grace, Grace Stone on our show. He played her, her half brother. And it was just such a spectacular audition. It be, only just because it was so lived in. And, and it, very often at the end of a take, I'm crying. Very often. In fact, we had someone audition for a pastor role um, that was only going to read the um, there is a time to everything under heaven. Mm. And this woman read that and she she had these pauses and they were so I was she literally just read the passage from the Bible. And by the by, like halfway through tears, just streaming. Oh, amazing. The resonance of her voice the way that I, that, that she was feeling the pain that our characters, cause it was at a, you know, it, it's at a funeral. She was feeling the pain of it. And I was thinking about it. And there was, all I was seeing was her zoom, you know, uh, her casted audition or whatever, just that's it. She was just standing, reading the Bible. And, and I had seen four other people read the Bible. Yeah. And, um, and you know, in this case, what was interesting about this is that she, um, uh, I had a, uh, there, there were other people involved in the casting selection process. And I was like, this is a no brainer for me because mm. I'm, I'm bawling in the middle of the thing. Mm. And the, um, and I was overruled in this because someone thought that the, um, that it was too emotional. Oh, that it was too emotional. That it would take away. So it's like, sometimes it, it is about the work, but the, I would have hired I want to wring the emotion out of it, but yeah. they thought that it would detract from the emotion that they, that we're feeling from the, from because we're going to be on the actors, you know, uh, I'm sorry. The, uh, you know, the, 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 our regulars, we're not going to be on this person who's reading. Yeah. Gonna, so her job was to service that they are there. Yeah. I yeah. And I thought she serviced it beautifully, but he, but he thought a different thing. And that's, that's just, you know, those are the numbers. I'm going to, I'm going to look for her. You know, yeah. like I, I want her to play something else. Like, you know, maybe she's a passenger showing up on our show because so I loved her. What's the message you want to say to actors out there about their auditioning to give me three things that would really grab your attention as a show, uh, basically showrunner, 
that when you're looking and when you're, when the tape comes on, it's that first thing because the actor has to be dropped in. So what advice would you give? That's a, that's a great thing. And, and, and you're going to be able to interpret, to, to, to speak this language better than I, than I am. Cause this is something that I feel like you are already onto and teaching, but it's the, when they're very, very often when the actor is saying their first two lines, mm. first three lines, I am feeling a performance. Mm. There is a, and, and a, a hint of put on, like this is a put on character, not a lived in character. Mm. If in the first couple of lines, I just feel like this is actually this person and they're just talking to me in a room and, I, and, and I'm having this conversation. Um, that is, I am drawn in in a way and the, the hint of artifice of I'm performing this for a camera mm. pushes me back and mm. I'm not emotionally engaged. It puts a wall between me and what I'm seeing. And, and I don't, and I, I feel like I don't have the words for that, but I know it when I see it. Yeah. Because it's about being in that moment, living in the body before the camera comes on. So a lot of people probably are just like in your market set go, which we teach here so much to have that internal life going. You're living, you know, the moment before that you're already, so, you know, you're already doing life and behavior. And then you're just talking the same way you talk in life as you talk when the camera comes on. If Everybody did the life and the behavior one second before the camera's rolling. I think that that is the, that is the key. I, yeah. I just, I feel it. They look up and they say, you know, um, where did you come from? Yeah. I'm like, uh. yeah, exactly. It's from the guts. It's always from the guts. And so when I ask it, I already know the answer. I just ask it for everyone who's listening and you as someone who gets to choose. So I think it's people's, you know, true heart that brings you that can just sit in the stillness because there's so much going on underneath that it's going to pull you, the, the person hiring to them. And I think what you're saying is that the minute you feel like it's popping your face, like I'm at you, I'm coming at you with this, the dialogue, yes. then you're going to recoil. So you want it to be underneath. And so from their heart, so you lean into them. Yeah. Yeah. So if I could tell my 30 year old self, because I didn't come to LA to try this job until I was 30. That was, you know, so that's like late entry for the, for, for the Hollywood world, but it worked, worked perfectly for me. And it wasn't too late at all. That was my timing. Yeah. It's never, I don't believe in the time thing when people say that because you do you. Yeah, you do you. And then it totally, you know, it was, it was great for me. And I can't imagine I wouldn't have been ready five years before, you know, it was, it was, it was perfect. So, but, but what I would tell my 30 year old self is stop trying, stop caring about trying to look pretty. Yes. Don't care about it at all. You're going to, if you look, if you ugly cry, that's great. Ugly cry. If that's how you cry, do it. If you, you know, have like, you look like this when you're thinking, great, do that. That's how you look when you're thinking because I think I, I very much was conscious of what my appearance was and how I was coming across. Am I conveying sadness? Well, right, because when you do that and when every artist and, you know, as women and females, and that's all we can go by, is that that pressure on what you look like was always there. Not so much anymore. But the thing is, if you're really telling a story and you're really in it, you're not watching what you look like. You're being. Yeah. And so it doesn't fucking matter. And then you're intriguing face comes through and it's so much more fascinating than being I, plastic. 
I think it took up 90% of my actor brain. You know, I like it way, way, way too much of how I was being perceived and how what I looked like and all of that. And I, I wish that I could go back and just say, drop it. Yeah, to get rid of the makeup. I understand. I used to go to auditions before you, before I became a coach. And they'd be like, Sherry, what's with all the makeup? And they'd send me. They'd actually send me to the bathroom to take it all off. And as I peeled it off, I would cry in the bathroom going, oh, my God, they have to see the real me. And I don't like certain things about myself. But the reality is your flaws are your power. That's your thing. You is what makes you. That's I, it's a, such a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Such a good point. Before we close out, because we have to close out, as a writer, what inspirational message can you give to actors out there who are transitioning or doing both? What's the message? Three things. And thank you for your time. You've been incredible. <laughs> I love um, you. I love sorry. you. I love you. Yeah. I love you right back. I don't know if I have three things, but but we'll see. I I I feel like with if you're somebody who who feels limited or frustrated in your acting journey, not because you don't love it, but because of that control issue, because you don't have enough output for your like like a place to put your creative energy. If it's not if you're not finding enough um, outlets for it, then you're probably a writer mm. <laughs> and start and, 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 um, you know, I can only speak to TV because that's what I do, but in TV, you know, the, the, um, the, the actors have very little, um, creative influence over the show. Mm -hmm. If, if that creative, um, energy is something that you really, you know, live for, Look, look at writing and start, you know, the, the writers have the, all the paints, all the colors, all the paintbrushes and a blank canvas. Mm -hmm. And the amount of some days I just come out of the room and I'm like, that whole day was a rush. Yeah. The creative energy of we're going to, um, so, so, so we're starting, what story is this? What cool yeah. mythology twist could we bring? And I'm bringing my research skills from law, my acting skills from acting and my life skills as a, you know, just from, from being a mother and a wife and a daughter and a, whatever in the world. And all those things are coming together as I'm like, Oh, what if, and what if, and what if, and you know, it's a, it's a very, um, fulfilling way. It doesn't have, just like acting doesn't have to be your career. Yeah. You can do it without, as a passion project that doesn't, isn't the thing you do to make money. Writing can be the exact same thing. Creatively fulfilling. You're putting it out into the world. It can just be for you. That's okay. You can put it up on a, you know, blog post. Who cares? Yeah. You know, you're, it's the process that is creatively fulfilling. So spend time doing that. You know, that's a good use of your time as, you know, somebody who wants to put their creative, you know, energy out into the world. And then one last thing as a, as a helpful thing, what do they have to do after they finish something they wrote and got, have gotten opinions by hopefully people in the industry and done a lot of notes? Do they send it to an agent? Do they send it to a manager? Do they, what do they do? Because your path is a little bit different. So what's the, what's the journey for them? Yes. What's the technical if thing you're, you're supposed to do? If your stuff is good enough, then the person who has given you notes is going to help you with that next step. Mm 
Mm-hmm. So they're going to be, and, and so, so once you finish their notes and, and make sure that you take their, take the note and take the note behind the note mm-hmm. to, you know, embrace their notes mm-hmm. and reshape it with a real, um, not just a, you know, oh, I changed these three lines because you told me to, but if, mm-hmm. you know, if they said, you know, your female character is not well-developed enough or whatever they said, go back, rethink it, reshape it for real, mm-hmm. then give it back to them. Mm. And say, hey, would you take a look at how I address your notes and mm. see if you feel like this is more in the right direction or whatever. Mm. The person, the, the people who have offered to read you and then read you, they are then looking out for you and they might, you know, uh, slip it to their agent or their manager. And if it's, if it's that good, they're going to be the ones who want to, who, who volunteer that. Mm. Like, oh, this is really, I'm going to look like a star when I send this to my manager mm-hmm. and they're going to be, you know, they're going to find this person. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I th- you know, in an acting world, I think about uh, my, so my, my husband and an entertainment lawyer, right? He goes to a play because somebody has told him that this play, this, this, to watch this guy, he goes, he watches the guy, but the woman in it, he thinks is so good, mm-hmm. superstar. He comes back and he says, you know, to his to his law partner, oh, I went to this um to this play and, and, and I want to get, you know, I, I, I have a meeting with this actor. And he comes back and he's like, hey, the, the partner says, I hear you're having a meeting with my Pilates instructor. <laughs> so they got, you know, the, the law partner didn't go to the play that the Pilates person did. But but my husband went and watched this woman and was like, she's a superstar. Didn't think of her as the Pilates instructor. Yeah. He's just watching a play. He's supposed to be watching the guy. But the girl is so captivating. He's into it. So then he calls um, this, this manager and he meets, he goes to the play mm-hmm. and he signs her and it's, um, and it, it, you know, she was, it's Megan Boone, who was the, um, who's the star of um, Blacklist, <laughs> you know? So like to, the, the entertainment lawyer here looks like a superstar because he's able to set, to find somebody out in the world who's like yeah. amazing. So if your writing is like, amazing and and grabby and it's got it's got all the emotion there and it's really um compelling then and and i'm reading that i'm going to be like oh i'm going to look really good if i get if i send this to my manager they're going to be like how did you find this thank you you know as opposed to you know i'm uh doing anybody a favor i it's so so i would say when you send it to people make sure it's like the best that it can be when they give you notes really, really embrace them and then, and then keep sending it out to them. And yes, maybe there's an agent or a manager. My, my journey has not been um, as influenced by agents and managers. It's all been about mm-hmm. how I am in the room, who I meet in the room, who I then want to work with again, and mm-hmm. then they get the next job and the next job. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it's one of my Acme comedy co-performers who hired us on life sentence yeah yeah it's like you're doing you know and and like the connection with brent miller from that play i did it's like you know it's not even about the agents and the managers it's about all the work you're doing every time you do anything anything in the world of acting or writing or whatever you're making a contact yeah and that person's going to do something you know and you're making you're not making one contact you're making 10 so of those 10 it it, yes just so it's the same thing what i'm basically hearing you're saying is be the best you can be in the, in, the, in the writing that you're doing. Keep layering it up and getting it better and more detailed and more fluid, just like acting. Be the best you can be. Laura, thank yes. you so much for coming on. You know, we go way back because I coached you. 
We, I know, we, we missed the whole coaching. We, I feel like we didn't even get into that chapter. We didn't even get into that chapter of coaching. I know, but I, it like, it totally was the first time that I was understanding how I was, that, that, that thing that we were talking about, about just being present and not feeling them put on the idea of, of what, how, where the camera is, how you look on it needs to go away. And, but you still need to be, you know, you need to know what it is so you can dump it, you know? Yeah. I'm so happy I influenced you and hopefully maybe I influenced a little bit in the role you did writing. Of course, I'll secretly take that because acting is the same thing. It's artistic expression. But uh, so, but the basic point of that, I just brought that up is because we have that connection forever and there's a special connection because of it. So whoever actors out there and writers out there, those connections, the community, the people that you're going to meet, cherish it and learn from everybody else. Thank you so much. Thank you. This so is a blast. So wonderful. I hope everyone benefits from this. And uh, we're signing off. Be courteously aggressive, everybody. And see you at the studio. Thank you.